Chapter 20 Alex opened her eyes slowly in the soft gray light of dawn and blinked drowsily, letting her eyes gradually clear until her surroundings finally came into focus. She must be still asleep, she thought hazily. This must be a dream, because Eric was there in the bed with her, fast asleep. This just had to be a dream. But then he stirred, and she remembered, and a breathless happiness flooded through her. She wasn't asleep, and this was no dream. Eric really was in bed beside her, looking for all the world, like he belonged there. She didn't dare move, didn't even want to take a breath, in case this precious moment shattered and sober reality returned. So she lay curled on her side, her head tucked on one bent elbow, and just gazed at him, at the perfection of him, and of this timeless moment, when she was free to imagine that they were real lovers, and that she awoke every morning to such a wonderful sight. He was lying on his side, facing her, his arm thrown over a pillow with the languid possessiveness of sleep. She watched his broad, bare chest rise and fall in a slow, peaceful rhythm, watched his eyes move slowly beneath his lowered lids. He was deeply asleep, she thought happily, relief and gratitude making her almost giddy. He was actually sleeping, and it was the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen. Not because he was beautiful, she thought, noticing that sleep somehow took years off him, made him look so much younger than his nearly thirty-five years, even with the lines of experience etched into the corners of his eyes and the roughness of his stubbled jaw. It was the peacefulness, she decided. When he wasn't carrying the weight of his worries on his face, he looked boyish and sweet, as though life hadn't taken a toll on him at all. She pictured him as a young boy, his blond hair falling over his eyes, a charming grin on his mischievous face as he talked his way out of one scrape or another, and felt a surge of love for the little rascal he'd been, and still was, in his heart. If only she'd known him as a boy, she thought wistfully. She would have been utterly smitten with his impishness, his charming villainy. Would have had an enormous crush on him, just like she did now. A hopeless, delirious, thunderstruck crush on him that made her fluttery and breathless and practically incandescent with joy. She flashed on an image of a little boy just like him, a gangly boy who would grow into his long limbs and someday match his father in height, a boy with golden hair and a dimpled smile, with perhaps a dusting of her own light freckles across his nose, and maybe his Uncle Jason's eyes. She smiled at the image, in spite of the pain that squeezed her heart, and let the vision fade, refusing to give in to the sadness that gripped her at the realization that this boy, their son, would never exist. She focused on imagining Eric himself as a young boy instead. Maybe someday he'd let her see photos from his childhood. Maybe he'd tell her stories about his youth and make her laugh over his exploits. Tell her what he'd wanted to be when he grew up and what his dreams had been. Maybe she could help him remember the good dreams he used to have and forget about the bad ones 
had held him hostage now. Last night, after she'd finally drifted back to sleep, he'd woken her again, crying out so desperately, so wrenchingly, that she'd been unable to stay away, like he'd asked. When she'd stolen quietly into his room, he'd been thrashing and writhing in the sheets as if trying to free himself from something, and her heart had just about broken. It had been bad enough when Jason had gone through it, when he'd cried in her arms as she'd rocked him gently and whispered comforting words against his wet cheeks, for watching Eric's nightmare had been staggeringly worse, and she'd had to struggle hard not to collapse into tears. She'd loved her brother dearly, and his suffering had been heartbreaking, but Eric, her love for Eric, had the power to shatter her. Watching him racked with pain and grief had nearly ripped her to shreds, and she knew that it was partly for her own sake that she reached to wake him, with a tentative hand on his shoulder, and his name whispered soft and low. He had woken with a start, his breath ragged, his pulse thundering at the base of his throat. She'd been prepared for him to lash out, like Jason had done at times, and was ready to step back from whatever mindless assault might come her way. But he'd remained still, propping himself up on one elbow, staring at her wide-eyed as he labored to catch his breath. His eyes were wild, terrified, so unlike their usual soft blue that she stood transfixed by them, willing the fear in them to subside, praying that her calm, steady gaze might somehow soothe him, or at least bring him back to reality. And then, quite abruptly, it did. He blinked, and the savagery in his eyes began to fade, replaced by a shadowed shame that made him lower his head and blow out a heavy breath. She hadn't thought he was even fully awake at that point, but at least she had pried him free of the grip of the nightmare, and so she had turned to go, hoping he might just fall back asleep. But to her surprise he had reached out for her as she'd turned, his hand grasping hers and tugging her gently, almost imperceptibly, down towards him, his rounded eyes pleading mutely with her to stay. In that brief, unguarded moment, with his eyes gazing at her and his fingers entwining with hers, she could feel how desperately he needed her solace, her comfort, her love. And so she had gladly given it to him, crawling in beside him quietly and stroking his hair as he fell back into a fitful sleep. She watched him for half an hour, reveling in the bittersweet joy of being so close to him, so intimately connected to him, though for a reason she would never have wished upon him. The silvery moonlight had softened his features, which moved through pinched, pained expressions as he slept, but he didn't cry out again and in time his face gradually relaxed, and he sank into a deeper, more peaceful sleep as she gently caressed his arm. She wanted to stay awake, touching him, gazing at him, but fatigue eventually claimed her, and she too finally drifted off, until she had woken to see his beautiful face, mercifully still and peaceful, in the dim morning light. She reached for him, tentatively, but withdrew her hand again. She didn't want to wake him. Even the slightest touch might cause those eyes to flutter open, 
and as much as she loved looking into their blue depths, she wanted him to sleep. Dreamless sleep, she hoped. Blissful oblivion. And if he were dreaming, she hoped it was nothing more than the random images of a nonsense dream that held no power to cause him pain. She let her eyes travel over his shoulders and down his arms, over the smooth, tanned skin that bore faint souvenirs of his fighting life. She smiled, remembering that she'd once asked him why he wasn't covered in military tattoos, like other soldiers often were. He'd told her, frankly, that he was afraid of needles. She'd laughed at that, since she'd been stitching up a deep laceration on his arm at the time, one that he'd earned from a lucky strike during a training fight with Nick, and doing it without anesthetic, at Eric's insistence. And without him once looking down at the wound, as her curved needle sewed up his sliced flesh, she'd discovered to her utter disbelief that he really was afraid of needles, to the point of phobia. Which is why he always avoided the blood tests she wanted to perform, and which made that little bell tattoo on his wrist even more significant. He'd probably been terrified sitting in that tattooist's chair, but he'd faced it the way he faced everything, with gritted teeth and a steel will, and an absolute pig-headed, stubborn-ass refusal to ring that bell. God, she loved how determined he was. Even if it drove her crazy sometimes, even if it was keeping them farther apart than they needed to be, even if she dearly wished he could just let go and allow love into his life and hers. She stifled a yawn and stretched deliciously beneath the quilt, settling back down into the cozy warmth of the lavender-scented sheets. At her movement he stirred, and she froze, not even breathing, hoping that he wouldn't wake up. But his eyes slowly fluttered open and lifted sleepily to hers. He closed his eyes again, and a warm, drowsy smile curved his lips. Asklin, he murmured, reaching for her. Her heart twisted, and she let him pull her to him, snuggling happily against the warmth of his body. He drew her closer, holding her against the broad expanse of his chest, and resting his chin on her forehead as she nuzzled the hollow between his shoulder and neck. He was so deliciously warm and strong and wonderfully, indescribably male. She felt loved and protected in his embrace, so safe in his arms, that she closed her eyes and just breathed him in. This, this was all she ever wanted, she realized, feeling his chest rise and fall, listening to the steady beat of his heart as he drifted back to sleep. This tender intimacy, a chance to fall asleep in each other's arms. She snuggled into him and pressed her lips to his soft, warm skin, letting her kiss linger, simply because she could. He stirred, inhaling with a deep contentment as he moved. Then his eyes fluttered open, and he angled slightly to look down at her. She kissed his neck again, lightly savoring the feel of his heated skin beneath her lips. Then she tilted her head to look up at him with a gentle smile. Alexandra, he said, his voice barely above a whisper. 
In the grey morning light his eyes were wide and dark, but they glittered, nonetheless, with a sweet softness that made her heart beat faster. He withdrew his hand from where it had come to rest on the curve of her hip and ran his fingers delicately along her cheek. You shouldn't be here. You had another dream, she said quietly, subtly meeting his touch with a tilt of her jaw. I came in to check on you, and you wanted me to stay. I did. His voice was drowsy and rough, but in a way she found very sexy. I don't remember. She smiled again, and when his fingers drifted near her lips, she lightly kissed each tip. You slept pretty well after that. He smiled, blinking slowly. Must be you. I don't sleep too well without you, it seems. She reached up and cupped his face, running her hand smoothly along his jaw. She caressed him tenderly and let her hand slip into the short hair at the nape of his neck, feeling each silky strand whisper through her fingers. She wanted to guide his lips down to hers and kiss him just as tenderly, but she hesitated. He was looking at her with shimmering eyes, he was gently caressing her cheek, but there was nothing sexual in either his gaze or his touch. Even the hardness of his erection against her belly felt more comforting than arousing. You know, we can't do this, he said quietly, as if reading her thoughts. His eyes roamed over her lips, belying his words. You know, we have to stop. Stop, she echoed, feeling a twinge of anxiety. Stop making... We have to stop, he repeated, letting his fingers trail down her throat. He caressed her so gently, so reverently, as though her skin were a rare silk he simply had to touch. This has to end. A cold kind of alarm began to build in her, and she swallowed. You know what? This calmness unnerved her, made the panic begin to rise in her even faster. She pulled back, withdrawing her hand from his cheek, and she tried to steady herself. No, I, I don't. I don't have the faintest idea why. His fingers drifted below the neckline of her sleep shirt and drifted lightly over her collarbone as he met her eyes. I told you before. I can't give you what you want, what you deserve. I want you, she said quickly. It was the truth, but it was a truth she knew he didn't want to hear. He smiled softly, sadly, and pressed a kiss to her forehead. No, you don't. I promise, you don't. He moved from her then, sliding out from her embrace and turning to rise from the bed. The loss of his arms around her, his warmth, his long, muscled body pressed up against hers, made her almost desperate enough to reach out and pull him back. You have to stop saying that, she said instead, trying to keep the frustration from her voice. Why do you think I don't want you? What about this week together has possibly made you think that? He sat on the edge of the bed and turned back to look at her. Under his quiet gaze, she grew even more indignant. 
He didn't speak, but she could see conflict and self-control battling within him. And somehow, that was worse than anything he might have said out loud. She propped herself up on her elbows and narrowed her eyes at him. Tell me why, Eric. You obviously have a reason. Wasn't last night reason enough, he said, and then looked rueful, as if he regretted saying even that much. He looked down and she could see his Adam's apple bob. You mean your nightmare? She scoffed. You think something as insignificant as a nightmare is going to scare me off? It's more than that, and you know it. Then tell me, she challenged him, her voice gaining strength. She pushed herself up to sit against the headboard. Alex, tell me, she insisted. I want to hear it. I want to know why you suddenly feel we have to stop. He glanced back at her, and then blew out a frustrated breath. Look, I didn't realize you were Griff's sister. I wouldn't have bullshit, she said. Aiden and Taya are completely different. He cut her off, and you know it. Undeterred, she grabbed a pillow, the one he'd been snuggling with, and gripped it tightly. They're not different. Taya is Nick's sister, but Aiden didn't let that stop him. I know, he sighed. I know, but did you ever stop to think? He trailed off uncertainly, and then blew out another frustrated breath. He rose and went over to the window. He stood, a faint silhouette in the dawn light, his hands braced on the frame and his head down. What? she prompted. Eric, talk to me. Did you ever think that maybe, he said finally, not turning to look at her, your feelings for me have more to do with Griff than you think? Maybe you only think you love me? His voice caught a little, but he recovered. Because you're trying so hard to save me? Because you couldn't save him? She felt her breath hitch at his words, spoken with so much tightness, so much reluctance. He didn't want to say what he was saying, she realized suddenly. He didn't want to question her feelings for him, but he had no choice. As he turned to look at her, she saw a starkness in his face that belied every attempt he'd ever made to pretend he didn't love her, and it made her stomach hurt. He wanted her to challenge his words. He wanted her to convince him, somehow, that he was wrong. I've thought about that, she admitted quietly. I won't lie, it did cross my mind. But if I simply wanted to save one of Jason's brothers because I couldn't save him, well, I would have fallen in love with Nick or Aiden before I ever met you. He regarded her evenly, and she could tell he wasn't yet convinced. His eyes glittered, a silent encouragement to go on. I've known them both a lot longer than you, she said. The tightness in her chest expanded, seizing her, until she felt almost desperate for a way to release the unbearable pressure. She aimed for a light-heartedness she didn't feel. And frankly, either one of them would have been a better choice than you. You're a bit of a pill, honey. She added this last with a quirk of a smile, just to see his lips part in surprise. He scowled at her expression and came back towards the bed, taking a seat again with his shadowed profile to her, his arms braced against the edge of the mattress. I'm being serious, Alexandra. So am I, 
She inched herself down the bed so that she sat behind him and rested her hand lightly on his shoulder. He didn't flinch away. What I feel for you has nothing to do with Jason or anyone else. I fell in love with you, Eric, for who you are, for the intelligent, sensitive, incredibly brave man you are. He turned to her then and reached up to cover her hand with his own. You deserve a normal man, Alexandra, he said with quiet urgency, his voice almost a whisper. You deserve a normal life. I can't stand to see you wasting your life with PGI, with a bunch of assholes like us, when you could be out living a decent life. You could be a real doctor. You could get married and have children. You could be normal. I just can't take that away from you. I won't. He rose again and moved purposefully towards the chair in the corner where he'd discarded his sweater and jeans from the day before. She watched him remove his T-shirt and pull the sweater over his head, eyeing the magnificent play of muscles as he lowered it down over his chest. Then he stepped into his jeans and zipped them up, finally turning to face her as he ran a hand through his hair. Listen, I'm gonna go down and start breakfast. Just come down when you're ready. He didn't wait for an answer. He just began moving towards the door, his bare feet padding quietly against the wood floor. When he reached the door and passed through it, she flopped back on the bed in frustration. I had normal, she muttered to herself. It almost got me killed. Eric stopped. He took a slow step back into the room and looked at her, a frown creasing his brow. What did you say? Nothing, forget it. He took another step back into the room, standing beside the bed and looking down at her intently. What almost got you killed? When? It's nothing, Eric. It doesn't matter. He crossed his arms over his chest, his trademark don't-fuck-with-me stance, and leveled his gaze at her. He didn't have to say anything. She could tell by the way his eyes bored into her that he wasn't going anywhere until she answered him. She sighed heavily. Look, it's nothing you need to worry about, okay? It was just... She searched for an easy explanation. Just a bit of personal history. Before I joined PGI. The reason I joined PGI, actually. But nothing you need to concern yourself with. He angled his head, his frown deepening. You said you joined because of Griff. That was part of the reason. Yes, there was a bit more to it than that. But honestly, Eric, you really don't need to know about it. His expression registered both surprise and annoyance. He breathed out through his nose and lowered his chin, looking up at her expectantly with raised eyebrows that seemed to be saying, You're kidding, right? I can't just go be a doctor somewhere, Eric. Surely you figured that out by now, she said, exasperation coloring her voice. I am underground, after all. A muscle in his cheek jumped, and his eyes flared with alarm. I figured that was just because we are. She shook her head. No. There's a reason I gave up my medical career and went to work for PGI. Why I haven't been able to let anyone know where I am, or surface in any way at all. I'm underground because I have to be. He lowered his arms and stood with his hands on his hips, staring at her, alarm brightening to anger in his eyes. What the hell are you talking about? Look, it's not important. I didn't tell you this to dredge up my own personal war stories, okay? Just 
Trust me when I say I have no desire to live what you call a normal life ever again, okay? He glared down at her, his eyes challenging her. You can't tell me something like that and then just brush it off, Alexandra. Exasperation colored his voice, too. What the hell happened? She closed her eyes and muttered a curse. Before today, Eric had never asked why she was with PGI, and she'd never felt the need to volunteer anything. But now she'd revealed too much, and she knew he wouldn't let it go. So she gathered her thoughts into the most concise, least incendiary synopsis she could muster. I had a boyfriend a couple of years ago. A cop, she began, in Boston, where I was in residency. He got very, um, possessive, she said carefully. And things got ugly. Ugly, Eric repeated flatly. How ugly? She sighed. Does it matter, Eric, really? Of course it matters, he said sharply. He came forward and sat heavily on the bed beside her. How ugly. She sighed again. Look, Alexandra, tell me. The steely look in his eyes chilled her, but at the same time, she felt an odd prickle of pleasure as well. He was incredibly sexy when he was in go mode, serious and deadly and strikingly intense. She had always thought it must be terrifying to be on the wrong end of that lethal gaze, yet it was quite another thing to watch his anger flare on her behalf. It made her feel valuable, worth fighting for, worth protecting. But that aside, she'd wanted Eric to relax while they were here, to free himself from the relentless anger and inner turmoil he usually lived with. She didn't want him flying into a rage over something that ultimately didn't matter. As the dawn light began to paint the room with a soft, pink glow, she looked around, gathering her thoughts. She looked back at him, at his hard, glacial expression, and tried again. You really don't need to hear this, Eric. It's not your problem. Of course it is, he said. Tell me. And not the edited version, either. I want to hear everything. She faltered. Ashamed at how glad she was that he wanted to know. How long it had been since she'd told anyone. How long had she lived with it all in silent isolation, locking it away fiercely, but always afraid it would rise to the surface again. And how long had she hoped Eric might take an interest in her life, in her past, in her. But to bring it all up now, especially now. She swallowed past the lump in her throat and found herself pinned by his eyes. He wasn't going to let this go. The best she could do was tell him the basic details and quickly move on. He was a cop, like I said, she said finally, looking away from the intensity of his gaze and down at her own hands. We met when he brought a suspect in for a self-inflicted stab wound. It was late, I was on call, so I took it, she said. Anyway, at the end of my shift, he came back and asked me out. He seemed like a nice guy, so I said yes. Eric hadn't moved, but his eyes watched her, silently urging her to continue. So we started dating, and he was very romantic, very dashing. Flowers, grand gestures, lots of phone calls, that sort of thing. 
I was always busy at the hospital, and he worked odd shifts, so we didn't see each other that often. But it was great when we did. We talked a lot. He was an incredibly intelligent guy. He was good with computers. I mean, really, seriously, like Aiden good with computers. Eric just kept looking at her. His steady, relentless gaze unnerved her, even more than the simmering calm that radiated from him. She squirmed a little. So anyway, on our third date, he told me he was in love with me. And then he really started pouring on the charm. You know, visions of white picket fences and babies and puppies and all that. Which I, I found flattering, of course, but a little overwhelming. I just thought he was a passionate guy, you know? Maybe he was just getting a bit carried away. Nothing to really worry about. But then, when we'd been dating for two weeks, like maybe out five or six times, he proposed. Eric's eyebrows rose. Two weeks? Yeah, I was surprised, too. She laughed humorlessly. He gave me a huge diamond ring and begged me to marry him in front of an entire restaurant full of people. I guess he thought he was being romantic. But I was sort of mortified by the whole thing. I mean, I hadn't even decided whether I wanted to keep seeing him or not, let alone marry him, you know? We'd had sex just once, and it was... Well, I had written off my ambivalence about him to the constant stress I was under at work. But when I look back, when I compare it to how I feel about you, well... She paused sheepishly. Anyway, I stalled. I told him I needed more time and that I I wanted to take a bit of a break. And? And he didn't take it well. Eric's scowl deepened and his eyes narrowed. I don't like where this is going. She sighed. He started stalking me, following me to work, hanging around the hospital, showing up at my friends' houses, that sort of thing. When I told him he needed to back off, he did the opposite, sending me dozens of flowers every day, calling me at all hours, crying into the phone even, telling me he loved me so much that he didn't want to live without me. When he hacked into my email and started cancelling my appointments with male friends or colleagues, I told him it was definitely over. But that just seemed to push him over the edge. He got hold of my phone and installed something that he could track my movements with and started showing up absolutely everywhere I went. That's when I got a restraining order against him. Eric went quiet, but his eyes grew darker, more intense. He was on full alert, as though the threat were in the room with him now, instead of lurking only in the past. She sighed and let her head fall back as she decided how to tell the rest. She didn't want to over-dramatize anything, but there really wasn't any watered-down way to tell it. So, after I got the restraining order, I moved, because I was sick of the phone calls and the flowers and the way he would just sit in his car across from my building and watch me. But moving away just made him furious, and it didn't take long before he found me. She sighed, glancing up at Eric hesitantly before looking away. He, um, he broke into my new apartment one night and assaulted me. Jesus, Eric breathed out. Alexandra. You can imagine the rest, she said simply. I called the police and they arrested him, but he was a cop and he claimed that it was just a little argument we were having. 
a lover's spat that got out of control. He even cut himself on the face with a switchblade and pretended I'd done it so that they'd consider it a mutual fight and not assault. And he claimed the sex was consensual, which it wasn't. The sex, Eric's voice trailed off, his face going pale. Oh, Jesus, he, he didn't. He did, she said quickly, hoping to move past it without further discussion. But I could have handled that. He, he tried to strangle me, though, and he managed to fracture my skull. That's what nearly killed me. Eric lowered his head, breathing out a string of curses. He looked back up at her and reached for her hand. He entwined their fingers, too tightly at first, until she gently loosened them, and he relaxed a little. Go on, he said, his voice tight. She could see his chest rising and falling as he tried to control his breathing, and she could feel the anger, the impotent anger, radiating from him. Well, he went to jail for about five minutes, she said. He was a cop. He just blamed me for everything, and managed to get off with a slap on the wrist. And when he got out, he made it his life's mission to come after me. Eric's jaw muscle flexed again, and she could feel him stiffen his whole body growing rigid. So you went to Nick for help, he asked sharply, to kill the prick. She shook her head and laughed, a harsh, rueful little laugh. No, even if I'd had the stomach for that, I wouldn't have had the faintest idea how to get hold of an outfit like PGI back then. But Eric wasn't laughing. His eyes glittered at her, anger roiling in their depths. I had transferred to a residency program in Atlanta to get as far away from Paul as I could, she continued, shivering a little at having uttered her stalker's name for the first time in years. One night, Nick brought Aiden into my ER. Aiden had been shot and uh, was bleeding out. Otherwise, I doubt Nick would have risked going to a hospital. I'm, just, I'm so glad he did, though. We all recognized each other from some army function I'd attended with Jason a few years ago. I was overwhelmed. I was so glad to see them alive. I started bawling like a baby. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Eric smiled tightly and stroked her thumb, not looking at her, as if he couldn't look at her, as if he were so consumed with the need to control his anger that he could barely sit still. It wasn't just that, though, she said, sobering a little. Paul had found me, again. That very day, he'd left flowers and a photo of the two of us on my doorstep, saying he was sorry and that he wanted to get back together. I had been too terrified to go home, and I didn't know where else to go, so when I saw Nick and Aiden come through those doors, I was so damn relieved, because I knew I could turn to them. Long story short, Nick told me his secrets, and I told him mine. And he took me in, helping me go underground. I've been with PGI ever since. Eric breathed out a tightly controlled breath. He rose and moved away from the bed, and stood with his broad back to her, his shoulders rising, falling, rising again in a quiet rhythm. After a moment, he turned and crossed his arms over his chest again, his eyes pinpoints of ice. So, Nick took care of this asshole, right? 
Somehow, Eric made the words sound more menacing, more terrifying, than even the most graphic of descriptive terms. He didn't need to spell out what he'd expected Nick to have done to the man, or what he himself would do, if given half the chance. She squirmed again. This part was going to be bad. Actually, uh, no. Eric stilled, and that lethal gaze settled over his features again, firming his jaw. He was silent for long, tense minutes, just gazing at her. When he finally spoke, his voice was low and calm, and somehow terrifying. I want to hear one of two things right now, Alexandra, he said, that this prick is either dead or in prison. Which one is it? She hesitated. Should she lie? No, he'd see right through a lie. Maybe she could downplay it a bit. No, there was no point in that either. Finally, she settled on the uncomfortable truth. Neither. Jesus Christ, he breathed. You mean he's still out there? She closed her eyes. Yes. Fuck! Eric strode away, rounding the bed and pacing to the window and back again. Why the fuck hasn't Nick taken him out? It's complicated, she said hurriedly, as if saying the words quickly might make them less inflammatory. And believe it or not, Paul's pretty formidable and connected, too. He found me again last year when I, when I was living away from the base, remember? Remember when Nick insisted I move into quarters with you guys? That was because of this asshole? She nodded. For fuck's sake, Eric bit out, running his hands through his hair. His fingers stopped in mid-rake on top of his head, and he stared at her, anger flowing into disbelief. He lowered his hands to his sides. I had no idea. I had no fucking idea. Why didn't you tell me? I had no reason to, she said carefully. You never really wanted to know much about me, it seemed, and you should have made sure every member of the team knew so we could protect you, he said sharply. You should have told me, at least. I had no reason to, she said again, gently. You weren't my... I mean, you had no particular reason to... God, she wished she could just say it. You were keeping me at arm's length, avoiding me as much as you could, pretending we were just colleagues, just doctor and patient. But she didn't want to remind him of that now. Nick and Aiden knew. Yeah, but I didn't. Fuck, he said, blowing out an angry sigh. A new kind of determination came over him. Well, at least I know now. And I'll find him, I swear. I don't think you'll be able to, she said. Paul is very... He's no match for me, Eric cut her off. I'll find the son of a bitch, and then I'll rip his fucking lungs out. She shook her head. Eric, what's his name? Paul what? Haggerty, she said. But please, don't bother. You won't find him. He's very good. I'm better. Eric, she said, a calming note in her voice. I haven't heard anything from him in more than a year. I think maybe he's given up. Maybe he finally moves on with his life and has decided to leave me alone. Eric leaned forward to emphasize his words. I don't care if he's found religion and become a fucking saint. I will find him. And when I do, I only brought this up so you'd believe me. She interrupted forcefully. I had a man who wanted to marry me and have kids and all that normal stuff. And look what it got me. I don't want normal, Eric. I want you. She hadn't thought anything could blunt the sharpness of his anger, but her words somehow managed to do it. 
He straightened as though he'd completely forgotten why they'd started talking about Paul Haggerty in the first place, as if he'd forgotten that he'd tried to tell her their relationship was over and that she should move on. He blinked at her for a long moment, and then a kind of weariness began to soften the stern lines of his face, anger melting into a kind of bewildered misery. He looked at her grimly, the firm set of his jaw underlining the stark look in his wide, dark eyes. That guy was not normal, and you know it, he said bitterly. Don't pretend your only choice is between me and some goddamn psychopath. There are plenty of decent men out there. Men you could count on. You don't really want me to find another man, do you? She asked suddenly, all but cutting him off. She hadn't meant to say it. The words had simply spilled out before she could stop herself. She met his eyes and held them, her heart kicking up as she waited for an answer she didn't want to hear, but fully expected him to give. His cheek muscle flexed and the word came out grudgingly. Yes. She looked away a self-conscious smile covering the roughness of her swallowed laugh. <laughs> well, I guess I ought to be hurt by that, she said, and then turned to meet his gaze again, since the thought of you with another woman breaks my heart. He swallowed, his throat working, his eyes flinty and dark. So, it's a good thing I don't believe you. It doesn't matter what you believe, he said, his voice low and verging on rough. It's the truth. You should find someone else. You can't tell me you want me to love someone else, she countered. I just don't believe it, Eric. You don't want me to be with another man any more than I do. This isn't about what I want or don't want, he said, a storm gathering in his eyes, in the measured breaths he took as he struggled for the right words. It's more complicated than... It isn't complicated at all, she challenged exasperated. It's beautifully, perfectly simple. I want you. She emphasized the word to expand it beyond the realm of sexual desire alone, to make sure he heard the word love within it. You're stubborn and arrogant and you have a black belt in unsociability and a very sketchy job and I don't care about any of it because I just want you, Eric, all of you, all the time, the good, the bad, everything. And you want me. What I want he said, fiercely, stepping forward as though he'd been holding back the words too long. Doesn't fucking matter. It never goddamn has. As sure as fuck doesn't now. Of course it matters, she said hotly. What could possibly matter more than your own happiness? Yours. He'd surprised himself, she could see. A word, an emotion, had escaped, thwarting his attempts at control. He colored a little, but more from the outburst than what that one word had meant. She stared at him, but he lowered his head and looked away, his eyes glittering with anger. If that's true, she said quietly, reaching to touch his chest, then you know how to make me happy. And wishing me into the arms of another man, isn't it? You think you know what you want, but you don't, he said. Give me some credit for knowing something about this. So, she said carefully, I'm not supposed to trust my own feelings, my own judgment, my own opinion of you, but I'm supposed to trust yours. You're supposed to know better, Alexandra, he said, pain sparking in his voice. You're a smart woman. God knows you've learned the hard way not to let your guard down just because a man wants you. Eric, I don't need to guard myself against you, she protested, 
trying to soften the urgency in her voice. You make me feel safe and protected and... Stop, he said, as though he couldn't bear to hear her next words. Enough, enough of this. It's, it's, it's too... His throat worked and he stepped back from her. For a moment she saw such anguish in his eyes that she regretted pushing him so far. Just stop, please. He stood before her, the man she had helped rescue, the man whose battered body and damaged spirit had reached out to her for comfort and solace, and whose very soul had gradually begun to thaw within the shelter of her arms. The man who had shown her such tenderness, such affection, and such passionate, aching love. He was hers, and she was his, and yet he still couldn't let go. For the first time, she seriously thought maybe he never would. She withdrew her hand and sat back on her knees, afraid to speak. She hated that look in his eyes, that look of pain and overwhelming uncertainty. Words died on her lips as she struggled for clarity, for that one thing she could say that might reach him. Loving him wasn't enough. Understanding him wasn't either, vowing to be patient, to fight for them, to stay with him no matter how much he tried to push her away. If he hadn't been moved by such promises before, she doubted he would be now. I'm, uh, I'm going to go make us some food, he said, quickly turning to head for the door. Give me, uh, he faltered, his voice unsteady. Give me twenty minutes. In other words, leave me alone, she translated. Let me stew and rage and wring these emotions out of my soul until I'm back in control again and able to keep you at a safe distance. She sat back against the pillows and closed her eyes as he quickly left the room. <laughs>